You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Jankowskis is going in on the goalkeeper. Jankowski wanted all day. Jankowskis wraps it up for hearts. Hello and welcome to Shirts Around the Funnel, the little brother, but much better looking brother of scarves around the funnel. Hi, I'm Paul Mitchell, joined today by a man who knows what it's like to pull on a hearts jersey. He's done it more often than anybody else. 640 competitive appearances for Haramid Lothian. Delighted to have Gary Mackay here. Gary, how are you? I'm great, Paul, yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We will be joined by Grant Young, hopefully. He's sorting out his new book deal and he's haggling over his rider, which is probably a new Mercedes or something, knowing Grant. So we will hopefully he will join us. Gary... <laughs> You have that thing, and I don't think anybody will ever beat you with the number of appearances that, that you made for Hearts over a 17-year period. Is that a record that you're fairly comfortable will never be broken? I think in this day and age, Paul, it's, it's very unlikely. Uh, you know, I was reading, I think maybe three, four weeks ago, even about the two Hibs lads, uh, Paul Hanlon and Lewis Stevenson, you know, and I, I think I mean, they've been there a healthy amount of time, and I think they're just approaching five and a half hundred games, something like that, you know, so I, I, it's, it's something I'm proud of and it's, uh, could I have ever expected it as a 16-year-old leaving Tyne Castle High? Probably not, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's 17 years that I look back on with a lot of pride. Yeah, so you were, you were schooled in Edinburgh, you were at Salveson Boys Club and you got the chance to join Hearts. I think Bobby Monker was the manager when you joined in 1980? Yes, Bobby Monker was in charge but I would love to say I think a lot of the stuff is in relation to we Robbo and David Bowman and Ian Westwater Stuart Gold and myself signing a lot of it was driven Paul by Archie Martin who had taken over the chairmanship at that time uh, and along with Bobby Monker and Ian Boobs Brown who was the like youth coach or reserve team coach uh, they knew that the only way forward for Hearts was to try and have a mix of experienced players with promising young players and, and we were five or five of the six or seven that they brought in at that time. And it's probably a recipe that still stands true today, Gary. You've got to mix, you know, your youth and ex- coming through and learn from the experienced players. But at times, and it's not just hearts, all clubs have got away from the, that sort of methodology and sort of gone with the, the all experience. But you, you've got to be able to blend in your youth. You can't underestimate how important that is. And I think that's one of the positives that we have at Heart of Midlothian just now. I think Stephen, having been through the, you know, the, 
the training of the youths and training of the, a lot of the young lads like Macaulay, Tate, uh, Aidan Denham, he knows them firsthand. Uh, we've then got somebody underneath him now, uh, and Liam Fox, who knows what Hart and Midlothian are all about. And you've also got Andrew Webster in charge of the academy. It's a, if you can get the balance right, it's wonderful and it can only help the club going forward. And I think now, it has been a bugbear of mine for a lot of years, but I think now we seem to have uh, the the, the wee the pins in the right place and fit in the right holes. And, and hopefully uh, we will get a nice blend of good young professionals coming through, aided by experienced guys, like say, the two goalkeepers, like say, uh, Halkett, uh, guys like that, Lauren Shanklin, they sell, you know, and these young players can only learn from these older guys. When Hearts came knocking, you know, I mean, it, it, obviously the answer was yes, but what made you think that you were going to be good enough to play professionally? What, or when did you realise you had a chance? We were very fortunate. I think we all hoped that we would become professional football players. But I think when you look at the three, Robo, Bo and I, it goes back to what it harks back to what we were just speaking about. We came into the club and then over a couple of year period when Alec McDonald joined and then Sandy Jardin joined, again, you can't underestimate just how important they were to learn from. And then they brought in good professionals. I mean, I think somebody was telling me the other day, and it's not the first time, I think from 1980 to 1984, I think the only professional football player left was Walter Kidd the only senior player left after a four-year period. The turnaround was massive. And Alec and Sandy knew the right professionals to get in, the Jimmy Bones, the Willie Johnstons, uh, then the Sandy Clarks, the Roddy McDonalds, the Brian Whitakers. These were guys who had wonderful experience and were wonderful, wonderful people to learn from. Shirts Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. You mention all those names and immediately I just flash back to the 80s and hearts. Because we're here to talk about your career. We're here to talk about the shirts you wore. And it was that traditional maroon jersey with the diamonds down the sleeves. I mean, I can see Jimmy Bone wearing it. You know, it's, it's just, it's a magical thing. I mean, I don't suppose that as a young kid you're worrying about what the jersey looks like. You just wanted to get one of them for yourself so you could get out there on that pitch and show what you could do. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the strip for me during the, the 70s was the one I can see Donald Ford in. The, the, the Ajax style strip, you know, with the white, with the maroon right through the centre. And, and that was the strip that I loved, excuse me, wearing as a, a young lad. But, but putting the Hearts first team strip on, I mean, if the first time I'd done it was against Air United in a, a League Cup game that we got trounced in. And then the first time I started, and it, it's uh, football's full of coincidences, was against Morton. Funny enough, we were drawn in the next round of the cup, uh, and I made my, my full debut against him in a Scottish Cup game. You know, but the, the strips, the heart strips are, are wonderful, and it's great to look back in the different styles right up to this present day. Yeah, I was just having a look uh, at some of these kits. You know, the, the classic Umbro diamond. You had the Alexanders on the jersey. That that's where I associate the Alan McDonald and Sandy Jardin era with uh, Renault as well. Buckter Thorn Security in the nineties with a with a pattern through it. Let, let me rewind to Alan McDonald and Sandy Jardin. I mean, Sandy Jardin remains for me one of the best players I've ever seen play for Hearts. What was he like to play with? Sandy just was class personified. I mean, he just had so much quality about him. 
Uh, he was such a, a calm, natural football player. Nothing ever looked like it was an effort to Sandy. And and that in itself is a hard thing to do, to make make your job look like it's not an effort. Uh, and, and Sandy, he was, he was wonderful. He was he was great within the changing room. He, he was a massive help, undoubtedly, to the progress of Dave McPherson, Alan McLaren, Craig Levine in that centre-back area. Helped Walter Kidd and Brian Whittaker as fullbacks because he had played with Rangers at fullback. So he was a he was a great leader for the defensive part of the team. But Alec McDonald was a great teacher for the likes of myself and Neil Berry and Kenny Black. Uh, I couldn't tackle a fist supper when I joined Hearts. I probably couldn't tackle a fist supper when I left Hearts. But the one thing Alec McDonald did do was he taught me how to protect myself and make sure uh, that uh, when you went in for a 50-50, you had a fair chance of winning the ball because it was a it's still a competitive league, but it was a hugely competitive league during the, the mid mid eighties. You say competitive league, and I'll I'll read something into that. You you're you're indicating it was a lot more physical. I'm not saying it was any less skillful because I, I believe the game was highly skillful. But the ch- level of challenges then you had to be able to take a tackle. I mean, the, the one that I remember was. Uh, Alec McDonald, uh, was it Alec McDonald and Stuart McLaren? Was it, no, it wasn't. It was Stuart McLaren and Willie Miller. Uh, and they, there was a tackle in the halfway line about three minutes before half time at Tynecastle. And they were both hard as nails. And neither of the two of them would go down to let the physio come on because they didn't want the other one to feel that they won that battle. So when you're actually visualising that, I think I was in the bench that day or there was a, an apprentice running about um, doing chores. To witness that, you're thinking, you know, you really need to be able to take care of yourself and also be a good teammate. And Stuart had good teammates then. Uh, and I fortunately had even better teammates after that. Yeah, little instances like that do tell you a lot about about a team. How, how do you feel now when you watch and somebody goes down because they've tripped over a blade of grass or there's been a brush of fresh air coming by them? I mean, it's not old man shouting at cloud. I just don't know why people can't just get on with the game. I mean, I, I think I, I think we went over the top in relation to physical challenges in the, in the football. Uh, it's just, isn't it, it isn't the same for me in that sense. You, it was about winning your individual battle. It was, a, I mean, Alec McDonald, the first thing he would say before the game, and, and similar, I didn't see Saturday's game, but everybody spoke about how well Rangers started on Saturday. And Alec McDonald was always on us. You must win the first your first tackle. You must win your first header. You must get on to the first... Uh, second ball that bounces uh, between their defenders in the midfield and it was all about that psychological edge and it wasn't just us I'm, I'm sure Alec uh, Ferguson was saying the same to the Neil Simpsons and the Neil Coopers and the Aberdeen midfield but it was all about winning your individual battle because that then allowed the team to make progress and impact in the game so you obviously went on to play 640 times. We've talked about the, the sheer number of jerseys that you would have worn. Do you, did you get to keep any of that stuff, Gary? Is it, are, are you a memorabilia person or do you just let the memories do the talking? I, I, I mean, and there were one or two strips that I kept, but to be honest, I, I passed... That I because it, because you come up as a like a, a lifelong heart supporter on your part of the kind of hearts community, any of the strips I ever got, 
I normally gave them to charity, you know, and gave one or two back to Salvis and Boys Club so that they could uh, make a bit of money from them and, and so on. And and I think I think it was I I knew how important arts were in the community. Uh, and I know that they will have a, a great the society a great society to build up now with big hearts and it was massively important for me to give something back because that's the only way that you can, you can show the supporters your thanks for their support and the, the guys that have been with you all your through your youth days into your professional days and you're still obviously a well-kent face around Tynecastle. I mean, it's still hard for Gary McKay to wander around without people wanting to stop and chat to you and engage and I would see that as a wonderful thing, but you're on the receiving end. How do you feel about it? No, I, I the one thing I hope that I would never be accused of was arrogance. And I think it's probably the, the one trait in life that I find very, very difficult uh, to deal with. I don't think any of us, you know, no matter how skilled you were at a particular job, uh, arrogance isn't uh, something that I, that I like and I can't, I don't condone it. So, I, I mean, I think you have to have time for people that are, there are times you'll have a bit more time, uh, but it's hugely important for me, and it's hugely important because you want to paint a positive picture of the, the football club that we all love. What was your relationship like with opposing fans? Did you try to get involved? Did you just ignore it? What What was your psyche when you were on the field? The biggest one was was always going down to Easter Road. You know that was always the place for me, and I, I still. Now, in hindsight, look back at Easter Road, and Easter Road is by far my favourite away ground because the results that we got there were phenomenal. From a art supporter's perspective, when you went through the 70s and the, going up and down and up and down, to go down there and turn them over as often as we did, uh, I loved it. And I used to warm up directly in front of the, the, the right is the far side terracing as it is now because you, I wanted to hear the vitriol, I wanted to hear what they were saying because there's nothing better than uh, serving it back to people when they've been giving you stick for the colour of the shirt you wear Did you ever win at Easter Road? I can't remember Just, <laughs> uh, just once or twice I mean, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a contributor as you know Grant, I'm not a contributor to Jambo's kickback but I do love reading a lot of the stuff that uh, supporters come on. I do th sometimes think as well there are one or two heart supporters that uh, need to have a long look in the mirror when I read some of their comments and Jambo's oh. kick. But yeah. when it gets down to talking about Fozzie's game on the fence and things like that, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it's, a, it's nice to relive these moments in your, your mind in a quiet, a quiet time. 55 appearances for Hearts against Tibbs. You won most of them. Four goals kicked in there along the way, at least one of them at Easter Road, because I saw, I, I remember seeing it. I mean, the Wayne Foster moment, I think the the game after the, the aborted takeover and all of the, the vitriol that went on with that, I think Hearts won 3-0 that day. Right. Uh, were you told to go easy, or is that just a myth? The police did say that we would need to be careful if there were any more goals scored in the second half, regards celebration and what it would do to the crowd and, and so on, but I think at that point in time, we were able to game manage anyway. And it was just about managing the game because uh, we'd sucked the, the life out of the Hibs. And, and to be honest, they had built it up to such an extent that 
I felt so many of them were dead in their feet after 20 minutes, half an hour, because they were so hyped up for that game. And and unfortunately, as Sandy Jardin told me before my first derby, and then he told me before my second derby, because I missed the first one, even though I played in it for about 65 minutes, that <laughs> it is only three points. You know, and, and I told I've told the story numerous times. Sandy Jardin after the first derby said to me before the second derby that I played in, take this, that'll help you sleep. Played a lot better in the second game. And he said that was a paracetamol. <laughs> and that's what that's what it, you know, because I got myself that hyped up going into my first derby because Hibs had had the upper hand for so many years and yeah. it was a try to turn that round. I have to confess, when asked what my favourite fixture is to cover, it is the Edinburgh Derby. Now, people know that, I mean, I was brought up a Hearts fan, I can't help that, but there is just something magical about the Edinburgh Derby, and I've described, you know, I described Big Mix, who's hat-trick, you know, at Easter Road in the famous 6-2 game, I've seen, you know, I've seen enough Hibs victories as well, but there's just, there is something about that fixture that's pulsating, and I think the key thing, Gary, and I hope Presumably, what we never want to get away from is that ability to go into the office on a Monday morning and have fun with a fixture. Win, lose or draw, have fun with it as well. Absolutely. And, and, and that, I mean, it's, it's a rivalry. You live off each other. And, and it is a case of bouncing off each other. It's great when you're, you're the one that's doing more of the bouncing than the opposition. And, and I was very fortunate in that. Uh, but I, I don't disrespect or discredit the the group that had Hibs had during the seventies, you know, I attended uh, Jimmy Arook's funeral there only last year, and I was looking around me in the in the church uh, and looking at the, the the people that were there, the Pat Stantons, the Alec Edwards, the the John Back Blackleys, the John Brownleys, and I'm thinking you can understand why Hibs were such a good side during the seventies with that kind of quality of individual at their club at that time. Yeah, Pat Stanton, I was lucky enough, I've met Pat a few times, spoke to him just a few weeks ago at Forfa, he's just a lovely guy to to speak to. Gary, some, some questions for you, we'll, we'll give you some quick-fire questions and see uh, if you, you are allowed a, any pass, because you're a sublime <laughs> pass of the ball, so feel free to pass if there's any you don't fancy answering. Uh, Stu and Matt got in touch to say, we met Gary recently, a great opportunity to raise awareness of fragile X syndrome. Um, they just said, did you have a nice holiday? So I presume they met you recently in the airport and got a picture with you. Ah, they must have done. Ah, Tenerife was brilliant. It's a great place to go, I feel, at this time of the year. And uh, the only thing is, a week's never long enough. You think it is at the time when you book it. Uh, but then the return flight, you're thinking it could have been better if it had been another three or three days or another seven days. But no, it was, it was wonderful, yeah. Uh, Flitch asks, can you recall the worst game you played for Hearts and the best game you played for Hearts? The, the first derby, even though it was a brilliant result, the one that Robbo and, and Jimmy Bone scored in 3-2 at Tyne Castle, that probably made me question my ability going forward to, to stay in the Hearts team. But again, the, the good teachers that I had were able to take my side and say, you know, that Alec McDonald had felt like that in her, his first Old Firm derby. It was about overcoming the nerves. So that was a poor performance. Uh, I think my... The, the the most consistent ninety minutes I ever had was the game that we had to win against Motherwell at Tyne Castle, and so it stopped us going into the playoffs to get relegated under Tommy McLean. What well, and, and I had done a poor season myself. I think a lot of that was to do with the management, not just on myself but off other individuals. 
Uh, I'd been asked to go on at Easter Road the week before. Three minutes into injury time and we're 3-1 down and it was the closest I'd ever been to saying to a manager, no. And then I would say that I went in on the Tuesday and says to Tommy, I says, Gaffer, you need to play, man. I says, we have to survive. We cannot go into a play in this free-fall situation. And he put Gary Locke and I back in the team. And as far as a full 90 minutes of giving my best for the football club and being what you would call in the zone, that was probably the 90 minutes that uh, I felt that I'd fulfilled that. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk The Harriman though, the insert collector has been in touch. Say, who was the best player you played alongside and who was the best player you played against? Rob Robo was the best goal scorer. Uh, Craig Levine could have been the best player I ever played with. Sandy Jardin was up there, Craig Levine could have been if if, if it wasn't for injury. Uh, but uh, I did play with I played with numerous guys that were mm. were not just you, you can't. I mean, I I was fortunate to get a Scot was get Scotland caps, and when I got my Scotland cap, apart from Alec McDonald, who I thanked and gave my Scotland strip to, it, it was down to Neil Berry and Kenny Black. They had given me that opportunity to to play the way that I wanted to play in the Hearts midfield. So you can never you can never forget any of the players that you played with and how important they were to your career. Against I mean the Rangers team the Rangers team that beat us four three at Celtic Park in the, the League Cup final, which was probably apart from Dens the closest I was to winning a medal, were a top side, you know, the loud routes and the gas coins and and, and then when you played wing back against David Robertson and Peter Hoostra and people like that, they, they were a phenomenal, excuse me, a phenomenal side. Uh, and also, Sasa Susic. Uh, any of you know who he was? Sasa Susic plays, it played, he was a Bosnian internationalist that, that played uh, for Paris Saint Germain yeah, against us. Yeah. And ah, he yeah, was, yeah. Oh, he, he just, he was extra special. Uh, <laughs> he had it all. All. Brilliant. I, th I think if, if we were ever to do an, a Hearts 11 of underappreciated players, Neil Berry would be in that. He was just one of these players. I don't think he ever quite got um, the, the time, you know, the that people thought. Let's have a look. A couple of others coming in. Uh, Andrew Davidson asks, in which game did you lose the teeth? Uh... <laughs> I can't remember who it was. A, it was a Hibs game of some sort because Gordon Hunter got me twice. Gordon Hunter done, <laughs> done that to me with his forearm, and then he also smashed my my cheekbone. Uh, which, if you, I don't know if you can hear that, but it's still. And even going through airport security, going out to Tenerife, there, I was wondering where is it? Why am I buzzing? And it was <laughs> the pin in my, my cheekbone. So Gordon Hunter done it. I can't remember exactly what games, but I'm sure we won both of them, and I was. I stayed on as long as I could in both of them. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like this. We, Eric Kennedy asked us to touch on your Scotland experience. I think you did that. You're, you, of course, you, you you scored on your debut that memorable goal against Bulgaria, yeah. um, for, for which Ireland will be forever grateful for you. Uh, but you did win four caps. Which, and for, for a player to, to pull on that dark blue jersey, what was that moment like? 
again, I think I think you you reflect and the appreciation of your the people that have helped you get there. You know, through your your, your growing up. Uh, you know, I was lucky to be coached with George Stewart and Eric Shadler at Salvas and Boys Club. I know they wore the the Hibs colours, but they were a massive help. So you you do reflect and you think, well, it was a down to a lot of these people, but. Andy Roxburgh was also a massive influence, you know. Andy had taken us through youth level, uh, and then that night that I scored in Bulgaria, uh, Paul McStay came off, and I went on and was very fortunate to score. And it was just, I it was, it is like a schoolboy dream, and you, there's not really any other way that you can describe it. You, you you've watched your idols of the, you know the quality of people like Donald Ford. Kenny Dalgleish and that representing their country and you get that opportunity and if I'd only been the ones that would have been enough for me but to get another two or three kind of B caps were lovely but the, the one in Bulgaria was the one I'll, I'll never forget Yeah I don't think there's any Scott who grew up watching football and want to play wouldn't make a Faustian pact to get just one chance to either to play for their club or for their country Uh one of the first Hearts managers I remember dealing with when I started with the BBC was Big Joe Jordan. Now, obviously, Alex McDonald, you know, was sacked. Football never ends well for almost anybody, Gary, but that's that's part of the gig, isn't it? And, and I think, I think just I think Wallace felt that Alec had kind of he had run his race, the gaffer, and that, I mean, I still call him gaffer, and that's a, a probably a, is a, a token of respect anytime I do speak to him, it's, it's always gaffer and he had probably taken us as, as far as he could and I think for him as a manager after 85, 86 it must have been hard to keep you know, having won everything at Rangers Football Club and then he motivated his sell again and, and so on it must have been very, very difficult I think the club done well by him and, and there were times, and we discussed this earlier Paul, off camera where Hearts haven't looked after people that have done such a wonderful job for the club but I think the club made sure that Alec McDonald uh, financially was well looked after uh, and he went on and done a great job at, at Airdrie. Big Joe came in and he was different, he was different him and Frank Connor were a completely different balance but for me as a football player all you wanted to do was play. Joe Jordan asked me to play in a, two or three different areas of the pitch and I'd done it as best as I could, never always enjoying it but as best as I could. Did we as a group of players get right behind Joe? Probably not. And I think that's one of the major letdowns that I have in, as an individual that I could have maybe done more within the changing room to try and get the players behind the style of management that Joe Jordan had. Uh, everybody's different. Two very quick questions. Then I want to finish with a quote because we're running out of time. How did you feel when a supporters' bus was named after you? It was Graham Clark that named it after me, and it was lovely. And I think again, I think it was came down to the loyalty that you have for the the football club. I, I am, I am, and I, I never change it. I am very lucky. I, I represented the club that I loved as a boy, and I still love that football club. And finally, Neil Hope said, where did you get your hair done back in the day? <laughs> you had some great streaks. I went to the same guy, Frank Lindsay, <laughs> down, down at Stockbridge. Uh, he doesn't need to streak it now, he just needs to cut it a wee bit. Uh, it's, just, it's natural now. Brilliant. A uh, couple of things before we go. You're obviously uh, going to be talking with Robbo uh, on Friday night at Tynecastle. Tell us about that. 
I'm not, I'm not sure if I'll be doing mean, I can't talk, but I'm not sure if I'll be talking very much. <laughs> but I, we had a quick chat yesterday with, with, with Lockie and, and Park and, uh, and I said to Lockie as he was letting me out of the gate at Tencastle, I says, you maybe need to give me earmuffs because I, I can talk, but the wee man's just, oh, phenomenal. Uh, but no, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a battle. Uh, I'm looking forward to it on Friday evening. I, I laugh when you talked about John being one of your favourite players. You were on the pitch when he scored so many goals on his own and claimed so many other goals that other people had scored as well. Uh, Gary, we, we obviously we've come through a tough time at Hearts. We, you know, and you were dealing with Hearts when the Romanoffs were there. And I just, I don't want to go into that. We, I'd like to do that another time. I just came across this statement here, and in this era of statements, this is thirteen years old. What's happening with the club today is not a new thing. For almost seven years, we've been fighting to shield the club from crooks, criminals and thieves. Many of the top players at the club have felt the bitter results of the swindles that have been carried out with them on their own skin. They were insane, the people running the club at that time. They were. But but it's crazy. We are a one-off football club. You you cannot... I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be on this earth for two-thirds, eh, sorry, two-fifths of our 150-year uh, history. And right through Fallen Hearts, there is never a dull moment. Uh, and I think that will continue. I think that's just the way it is. But the one great thing is just now, that off the pitch in particular, and we have had a good run on the pitch also, but off the pitch, we have never been in better hands. And uh, hopefully the people that are there will uh, be around there for a, a good few years to come. And that is a brilliant sentiment to end on. Gary, always a pleasure to speak to you and just keep up the great work you do with Hearts and the club. Grant, I'm sorry your microphone wasn't connected <laughs> off enough to take part, but hopefully you, you've enjoyed you've enjoyed listening to it. This has been Shirts Around the Funnel. I'm Paul Mitchell alongside Gary Mackay and Grant Young. And remember, blood doesn't show in our moon, maroon jersey. Thanks, everybody. Bye for now. Take care. Shirts Around the Funnel and Scarves Around the Funnel is sponsored by Forest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s.